I remember where we were. We were in that old green van. You'd leveled up from that Tercel that caught fire. But yeah, we were in yeah, that yeah. green the, Astro van. Oh, and, no, uh, I had the Safari. The Safari, the excuse me. Yes, excuse yes, me, that's yes. right. You had the, the deluxe version. <laughs> <laughs> for all those van aficionados out there. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's driving one going, yeah, man, Safari, GMC. <laughs> so when we're driving along, and I remember your your hands on the wheel, I'm in the passenger seat, and your, your thumb is kind of just flipping off to the side. You're like, eh, look at that, look at that, look at my thumb. Why is it doing that? Do you remember that? <gasps> I do now. I had not thought about this for a long time. I That was probably the... What we came to later realize over the next weeks and months was the beginning of the late onset of your Tourette's. But I remember driving along, and we were kind of laughing about it Uh as we're driving down, going, look at my my thumb doing this weird thing. (laughs) Look at my thumb. Hey, check this out. This is a podcast where two old friends, both Canadian, one black and one white, and both men, explore what it looks like to adopt the mindset of an inclusive society. Instead of asking, how do we get there? Jake and Chris discuss, what does it look like to act as if we're already there? Welcome to the Disorienting Dilemma. What was that like? Well, I mean, we all get these kind of things that happen in our body. And I'm like, should I go to the doctor? Like, right. what, was the, what was the stage? Like, when did you were like, okay, that's, that's my thumb's not normally doing that. Like, yeah. How did you know? So I had just moved to Halifax we were expecting my fourth kid. And I think I was I was 27 or 28 at the time, four mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. I was in uh, the room watching TV, and I noticed a bit of a twitch where my arm just jumped up. I was like, oh, get the shivers, and I put it back down. And it jump up again. I thought, this is weird. Like, maybe I'm stressed or something like that. And then my head, and nobody can see us, but it would jerk to the right side typically and I could control it somewhat I would think I'm not going to do that anymore and then it would happen again I just thought that's strange I go to bed a couple days later I thought I need to go see the doctor because the neck twitching is bizarre and uh, went to the doctor and the doctor said "Um, yeah you probably have a pinched nerve in your neck I said okay okay because I was worried it was you know something more serious so this is back in 1997, and um, a lot had happened in my life, and I just thought, well, it's it's got to be stress or uh, the fourth baby or three jobs, you know, all those kind of conditions. We, you and I, had just met, like we we were just getting to know each other. So it's it's yeah, I would say six to eight months. Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, but we were lucky because I'm sure everybody listening is thinking uh, will understand this. There's someone that you connect with that you just sync up with really fast, and neither of you know why or what yeah. what the connection is, but it's it's there and it's just it's easy and it's natural. And and you and I were working working quote unquote volunteering together. I guess we felt like it was work, but it was really just volunteering at that point. Making it well, happen. that's that's the fun part of when no one wants to pay you and the work has to get done. Yep. So, <laughs> so kind kind of volunteering, kind of vol- volunteering into a work role. Yeah. So this these little twitches and everything started to happen, and eventually they got 
severe enough that I started to stutter. And then right after, like I would be talking and I'd, I'd t- t- say something like that. And I'd say, Jake, did, did, you, did I just stutter? Did you hear that? And you'd say, yeah, yep. right? I think, am I losing my mind? Because mm. a movie came out right around the time. Do you remember the, the movie John Travolta Phenomena? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, gets, uh, he goes out and he looks up in the sky and he sees a bright light and he thinks it's a UFO and he falls to the ground, he passes out. And then his brain starts to really work and, they, and he can think quicker and he can solve problems and he's getting smarter and smarter and it turns out he has a brain tumor. Well, I watched right. that and I thought, I I have a bra- I've got a brain tumor too, but I'm getting dumber and dumber because now I'm falling down as I'm walking. I'm compulsively touching things, which is... The people... Yeah. Okay. Things, so let's people. let's stop for a sec here. Tourette syndrome mm-hmm. was named after a French physician in the 1800s. He was studying this woman who had these different vocal or or motor tics, and he just named it after himself, or somebody else named it after him because he identified it as a syndrome. But it is a it it is a series of it's a neurological disorder where you have a, a sort of this overwhelming compulsion. Usually people, the onset is like early, early, very young, like when you're a little kid Mm. and you have to touch things or you've got these vocal tics like or something weird that you have to keep doing. So as you can imagine, when you're a little kid in school and you're sitting there and you make these little sounds and the teacher says, Chris, you need to be quiet. Okay. Mm. All right. Chris, what did I just tell you? Boop, boop. And then all the other kids start making fun of you, too, because you can't yeah, help it. And you don't know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. So you hate, you hate your disease because it is just, it dehumanizes you. It turns you into a laughing stock. Most teachers don't understand it. Or back when I was younger, they didn't. But that didn't happen to me. I didn't have it when I was little. It was I was much later when it came on. So... These motor and, and and the other problem was it was all of the ticks. It was touching, it was saying inappropriate, <laughs> inappropriate things. It was touching people that you know. I don't know you. I'm so sorry, but I'm going to put my hand on you. And they're like, "What is going on?" Like it was awkward, but adults at least can navigate it a little bit better. So yeah, late onset. I have these different ticks. I'm falling down, and I think I have a brain tumor. It was, I had a front row seat, right, to this. Mm-hmm. We were just hanging out, as you said, and I remember watching people react and respond mm-hmm. and how you were constantly trying to explain. And, yeah. <laughs> right, within any kind of sort of invisible thing, most times uh, no one had any sense that uh, there was any ticks or you were you know, without ticks and carrying on. Yep. And then all of a sudden there's sort of vocal tick or physical one. And then in that moment, when it's a full onset, that's the moment you're trying to explain to folks. It's like, that's a good, that's a good point. I didn't bring it up beforehand. I I would be, no, no. Cause why, why would you? you? Cause it, it may not happen. Right. And so it didn't happen. And then when it does, I should explain. But by that time, I can see people like, you're touching me. Why are you touching me? All right. So just to give some context for how awful this was for me and everybody around us. And then we're going to, then I'd love to shift into, well, how, 
how do you expect people to respond? I mean, we we want to be understanding as adults. We're not going to out or other like when we're little kids. I didn't have that, but still adults really, as you pointed out, really had to work hard to navigate what this meant for them. I remember, well, most times it ended with you saying, I I didn't mean that. I I didn't mean to. Yeah, yeah. Like how many times have I heard you utter the words, I didn't mean to. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to. Sorry. I didn't mean to. Yeah. I think most people accepted that apology and that when you were making sense of it in that moment. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I have Tourette's. and, And you're right that when there was space for you to have that conversation, people got it. Yeah, It got me thinking about it in, in, in a bit of a way that the other place and space that I hear people say, sorry, I didn't mean it, is around microaggressions. Mm. Like that, mm-hmm. it constantly comes up, uh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean it. And you're left to try and process that moment. Okay, I, do I let you, okay, that, that explains it, but I still feel weird about this interaction yeah. that just happened. Yeah. So... Can we can we keep talking about Tourette's, but I want to try and play off of this kind of shared experience around microaggressions? Yeah, that'll be interesting because on the one hand, the person with the neural, and this is a new phrase for anybody who's not heard this yet, but neural diversity hmm. is our workplace or is our place, community place, whatever, is it inclusive of people with different neural abilities or on sort of a spectrum of neural conditions kind of thing. So it's interesting, Jake, to say, to to do a comparison because Tourette's is aggressive in that it'll, it'll, because of the motor tics, the verbal tics, it's the one, it's the one where you swear, Mm -hmm. which for all of our listeners at this point, you should know that way back in the day, in the late 90s, I was working at a small church in Halifax, Nova Scotia as a minister, which that may be shocking for a lot of people, but that's what I was doing, and um, cursing from the front was a particular problem. <laughs> so, Not for me. But there were some senior folks who were like, (laughs) (sighs) yeah, those were the the good old days. I hope my mom's not listening to this. She's reliving the horror of the whole moment right now. (laughs) Oh, my dear. Oh, my dear. So disorienting for people visiting, like a a visitor Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Just just a complete. Um, What did the pastor say? What what is he doing? What was that word? Yeah. Exactly. So it's a, uh, just to stop for everybody, one, uh, these tics uh, are a compulsion, much like when you have to sneeze Hmm. uh, or you swallow water wrong and you need to cough. You can kind of manage a little bit when and where that's going to happen. Like I've been at a conference, you take a drink of wine, you've all done this. You take a drink of wine, it goes down the wrong pipe. And it's coming up and you're standing with a bunch of people. You can at least get enough time to turn away and cough right. it onto the ground instead of into their faces, right? You know it's coming, but it's coming. You've got there's some nothing control. you can do. Yes, there's some okay. control. That's Tourette's. And that happens with touching, talking, falling down, licking, yelling, outbursts, jerking, hand movements, the whole thing. It's coming. You can kind of control a little bit, 
but it's happening no matter what. So back to the origin story a little bit. When this started to happen and that doctor was wrong, it wasn't a pinched nerve. And I started to fall down and the facial tics like we talked about and the stuttering. I it, it began to create enough anxiety and energy that it fed itself. So the more anxious and concerned you are, and I think I'm, I don't understand this. Nobody's telling me what it is. The more that it feeds on that. And so I became more... There were more ticks, and they became more aggressive. And the anger, the, the the I would get to places where my emotions didn't line up with what I was feeling. Like I'd be having a great day, and I burst into tears. That it, it's right. just my brain sending a signal, creating a response that had nothing to do with reality. It was just, what is everything okay? Yeah, everything's okay. I don't know why this is happening. Like it's just you're out of step. And that's very hard, I think, for people to imagine, maybe listening to it, but it's a weird disorder. Well, I, I remember the interactions, like I said, having that front row seat to this. I would watch people react, and then I felt this strange need sometimes to explain, yeah. explain to folks, or to I didn't want them to read you in a way that wasn't who you were. And I think back now is like, what was that about? But oh my gosh, I, was I relied on be, that so much. Trying to be yeah. protective, yeah. but then knowing what I know now, is that my space? Is that, there's some discomfort. And I yeah. think much of that response, even though I thought about it at the time was, okay, make sure they know, make sure they know Chris is, doesn't mean it. Make sure, it, try to fix it. Try to fix the discomfort. Because yeah. I was reading what other people were feeling maybe in that moment. And I wanted it just to be okay. Yeah. So I would say, oh, he doesn't. He doesn't mean that. Oh, he. And and I wonder now, thinking back, was that about me just not wanting to have that discomfort, or like it's interesting to think back now, because people it, do that all the time in these kind of interactions, especially around microaggressions as yeah, well. Yeah. The bystanders, the people who hear it, try to make. They didn't really mean that. Yeah. I totally yeah. get why. I see why you're upset. That, yes, that I was surprised too, but uh, he, he doesn't mean it. He's a good guy. And that's, an, that's the interesting paradox is that with neural diversity, you want to create an inclusive space so that people who have Tourette's and other conditions can feel like they belong. And there's sort of an explanation around the inappropriate behavior, quote unquote, inappropriate behavior. And then... And so you find yourself in the role of sort of explaining, but you find yourself sort of in that role, say with your dad, Rick, when he says something inappropriate, you're playing a very similar role, but that's not because he has a neural disorder that we know of. It's because he just, <laughs> he, he used a phrase that's not the appropriate phrase. Like instead of saying they're Asian or of Asian origin or descent, whatever you might want to say, someone from the fifties would say, well, they're Oriental. Okay, so you're standing there like, uh, okay, he just doesn't know. He's not up to speed. I remember with my own dad saying, Dad, we don't use that term now. Well, nobody told me. Like, I don't know. So I, f I found myself in your the role that you're also in with my neural disorder, sort of helping people around understand you're going to get the wrong picture of this person. That's not exactly who they are. And that's I want to be exactly. an ally. Yeah, That's it exactly. I did not want them to get a wrong or inconsistent picture with my experience. Right. And it would be painful because I would think they would leave this interaction 
feeling or thinking differently about you, and I didn't want them to to not know who you were. Right. So in in trying to be inclusive, I would just run full right over whatever they were feeling. Right. So had you touched them or said something or had a word that came out that maybe offended them, in that moment, all I was concerned was that they thought you were okay. And I wasn't paying attention to how that may have landed for them. Like I had no space for that. And I think back now, I think it was from a good place, but I'm more reflective of that now based on, you know, having other experiences where people have tried to make it right for me really quickly. It's interesting. The point of view of the bystander negotiating the space in a way that is inclusive for everybody. So nobody The referee, right? They're right. trying to be the referee. And then we, we ask people to be pro-social bystanders. We ask them yeah. to step in and to make a difference. Don't just yeah. be a bystander like a witness. Like, yeah. wow, I can't yeah. believe that happened. Yeah, what'd yeah. you do? Be, be a pro-social person. Yeah. So, but then when you do it, how do you do it? And make sure that you're pay, being attentive to what that person needs as well. And you're not overstepping your bounds exactly, and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. So going back, so I'll give you a couple of examples. One, I w- you weren't there for this, but I was at uh, Sobeys in Canadians. So I don't know what that is, but it's a, it's a large grocery chain in Canada. One of the attendants was uh, just a very friendly woman. She was just like having a great day. And uh, we came up to the counter and she's like, hey, what can I do for you today? And I'm like, oh, yeah, this great energy. And I'm excited, too. So when you get excitable, it just comes out. So I said, could I have some chicken salad? And I got it out. And she, having seen me just carry on and talk with other people, thought she's playing around. So she said, sure, 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 no problem. And the person I'm with lost her yeah. mind and said he had she, she yelled at <laughs> he has Tourette's what are you doing <laughs> did you I would, have it on your t-shirt <laughs> I was a little shocked I was like because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really didn't I, now not everybody's going to understand this if you've dealt with it when you're a kid and you you just have had to negotiate with this horrible thing that has plagued you your whole life that is a different experience than mine. I just want to acknowledge that. But I didn't really care. For me, it was like, if you're going to interact and go along with it, the flow of it, yeah, it's bizarre. I don't know why I'm doing it. You're kind of playing along. That's how I see it or saw it at the time anyway. So I, I didn't really have a problem. In fact, I'll tell you one other story. I went to the bank. This is a back, Royal Bank. I went to the bank back in the day. And you had to fill out. You remember those little slips of paper you have to write in your numbers and the amount you want out because interact hadn't been invented and atms <laughs> weren't invented yet you had to put it all on paper like yep. fred flintstone yeah so i walked over and i slid it to her and i said i'd like to make a withdrawal that's how i said it at the time because it was happening right. and she said honey did you fill this out yourself now i'm i'm almost 30 right uh, six feet tall she's yeah. looking up at me did you fill this out yourself honey I said, yes. <laughs> she said, you have done a great job. I'll get this for you right away. And I said, thank you. I just loved, I see, I was able to think she doesn't know what's going on. She's just trying to be empathetic and encouraging as she understands it. I wasn't embarrassed or anything. In fact, I just thought, oh, she's being so nice to me. 
that will not be everybody's response. And I think if you were there or my other friend who lost her mind at Sobeys, it's difficult for you as a bystander to know how's he taking that, right? How's he yeah. responding to that response? Is there a role for me to play? So I'm not just like you said. So I'm not a bystander. So I'm I'm a participant in making space safe. But then again. If you had stepped in, maybe you would have tipped over the apple cart because everything was okay. It's hard for you to know. I think that's it. We read it first with our own our own lens. And so if we're self-aware, that we kind of slow down and say, that didn't feel right to me. Yeah. Right? I think you trust your gut. Yeah. So in that moment, if I were to try to break it down, the trust, the, trusting your gut, but there's got to be a way to find a space to check in with the person. If you're, am I reading this okay? Right. Am, am I reading this right? Right. Like, was, are you okay with that? Right. Maybe you are. And then I can just kind of relax. Right. But right now, I have to go with my gut. I'm angry. Or I'm feeling some kind of way, and I need to check in. I think that's probably the first step of pro-social bystander. That's exactly right. And I, until we had this conversation, it's funny, we kicked it around or touched on it a lot of times, but Pro-social bystanding, you want to jump in, but I'm bringing only my point of view because that's all I've got to work with. Right. And you interpret a whole situation like like my friend at Sobeys. I knew exactly why she did that. And to be honest, I love her for it. Mm -hmm. Completely unnecessary. Made the other person embarrassed. Kind of embarrassed me too, right? Because I was we were just playing along. But she doesn't know that. She just thought... This person is making fun of somebody who has a serious condition. Uh, and that's all she can know. Overreaction? All she didn't do was the check-in that you said. See, because this is, this, is, this is the dilemma that sometimes I find myself in. I get the, the wonderful privilege of going through life with a name that doesn't match my face. Right. And so I get the... Um, McIsaac. Oh, you're Jake McIsaac. And I think we talked about this before. So, you know, when they talk about microaggressions, sometimes the definition of these things that are kind of innocuous, like these everyday, where are you from? Right. And it's this um, turn of phrase that when it happens to you, there's this moment where I have to check in and go, I feel like when you ask me this, I just don't belong because the answer, if I give you, oh, from here, no, no, where are you really from? Like, where mm -hmm. are your family from? It's mm -hmm. because you're, in a way, you're saying that. In the back of my head, though, I have this moment, like, do I have a, do I have a Sobeys moment where I just lose it? <laughs> That's what forever going to be. They're never going to sponsor us now. They're never going to sponsor us now. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> do I have this moment where I just lose it because I've interpreting it in my own experience? That's yeah. all I have. Yeah. But I get this moment where I think, okay, it's a confusing space. Do I really think they're trying to be hurtful? Hmm. Probably not. Like most times not. So I'm just reacting from my own but I'm tired and I don't want to do this again and I'm tired of this. So maybe if I do freak out, maybe I'm entitled to freak out. Maybe I, maybe I feel oh like my gosh, this is the straw yeah. that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Maybe I, but then do they really deserve it? I mean, this <laughs> They're the, blissfully I, unaware of what's going on. Blissfully unaware. Yeah. And they are about to get the, you are the, well, congratulations. You are the 500th person who's asked me that and you win a prize. It's this freak out. <laughs> but, <laughs> 
but I, I, uh. then I, I'm so conflicted in these moments because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. And then sometimes there's a bystander there who jumps in to tell me what a good person they are. And so it then yeah. pulls away at, okay, so then it takes away how I'm feeling a little bit. Mm. I, feel, I feel upset. Now I'm confused. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to hear that they're a good person, and I don't even care. Yeah. Because I'm reading this as, so you're saying I don't belong here. Yeah. Like the, these, the, these are complicated steps, I think, sometimes to, to navigate because what is the role when you hear it? So, you know, they talk about microaggressions and then what's the opportunity for microinterventions mm-hmm. for bystanders? Yeah, that's interesting. We should talk a little bit more about that on another show. Microaggressions, unpack it in its fullness and then yeah. microinterventions because I think there is a role to play. I, I remember after I would go somewhere with friends. Sorry, I should explain to everybody. Talking about threats, you can look this up. When you talk about it, it triggers it. Now, you know what? To be fair, I, 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 I've dealt with this since 98. So what is that? That's like three decades. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I know very little about it, but I also know that if I read about it, there's mm. the neuroscientists. And even with all the great research that's available today, this one is very enigmatic, especially my version of it. It is a handful of humans who are de- dealing with it. But but talking about it triggers it. Mm. So you're going to hear me uh, uh, on this call. You're going to hear me stutter where I haven't stuttered before, and it's going to sound a little manufactured maybe, but but it's not. So let me put that out there. And Jake, as a as a friend who understands, could you do a micro-intervention for, for everybody on the call? Well, a, a micro-intervention, well, yeah. So I guess one of those things is when you see, when you see something, say something, right? So that's mm-hmm. kind of the, 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 the energy that you bring to, to a micro-intervention. It's, right. can I step in and make, make things right? Is, can I step in and validate what is being felt by another person? Okay. Um, oh, and so, me. you know, the, the way I might do a micro-intervention is to tell folks, we're actually on a video call and I can see yes. the physical ticks yeah. and what else is going on that no one will ever see because they're only hearing the one side of it. But right. I mean, I can see it ramping up yeah. 10 minutes before the first vocal tick. Yeah. Knowing this was likely coming because of the nature of what we're talking about anyway, uh, an intervention might be one of those ways you can clear... Hup. Clear Sorry. the space early on or in the moment. They talk about in terms of microaggression. Adam Grant had a uh, podcast, the Work Life podcast. There was yes, an episode love where it. uh, it's, we, uh, it's amazing. We fully recommend it. Yeah. Uh, there was one a couple weeks ago. Uh, John Amici was on there and they were talking about workplace culture. But there was this one moment where John Amici's talking about uh, what to do. And you use a video call as, as an example. And so you're on a call and it's, you know, it's COVID. Everyone's on video calls these days. And someone says something, what could be a micro-intervention in that moment? Someone says something that's way, out, way outside the bounds. Mm-hmm. Have you thought of turning off your camera when something like that happens? Turn off your camera, turn off your mic, step away. And that other people mm. sort of know that's the rule. So you just completely disengage. It's the video version of, I'm out of here. And then you pop back on. And you is, cre- that, is that good? That was oh. a way to draw attention to. I've never done it, but no. it was an interesting, uh, what they were talking about in that moment was, how can you bring 
instant attention to oh. to a behavior. You don't have to, you know, may not find the words. So they were saying, if you can't find the words, what's mm. the action? Mm. So you could, in an intervention, pull someone aside. Yeah. Pull someone aside and do a check-in. If you're yep. physically with someone, yep. might be a way to, A, get them out of the space to check in, check your own bias, check your own lens on how they the read of the situation. So it creates enough of a pause, ensures people are safe, and then you can strategize on what they need and what the approach might be. What do you need right now? Mm. If, if I've read this correctly, the follow-up question is, if it is true, what do you need? Okay, well, let's... So let's, that I don't just guess at what you might need. Even if I've read it right, you might not need the next thing I do. Can you put that... Can, can, imagine you and I together back in the day. Sorry, the, the clicking the, the tongue is going to be terrible for all the listeners. Yeah, it, th- this will be a, an interesting podcast with someone with Tourette's. <laughs> Trying to listen to a podcast would be is is um it's an it's an investment. It's like the mirror that you look in the mirror and then you've got the yeah ever you keep going. So so what would your intervention be? So I'm in the room. Let's go back to the original thing. Yeah, I'm a good guy. People don't yeah. know what I'm doing. Other people are going to respond. They're good people as well, and you know both of them, but they don't know that I have Tourette's, right? Yeah. So. Using the 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 the, the 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 example that you just gave from Adam Grant's podcast, what would be the intervention there? So I'm talking, and you can see people stiffening up uh, with discomfort. I'll give you an example. I was in Austria, Vienna, Austria, doing a presentation, and it started to happen. And I paused halfway through, and I said, "I'm sorry, guys. So sometimes when I'm in front of a room, my Tourette's will act up." And that's what's going on. I have this condition called Tourette's. And these two guys in the front knew enough about it that they that's the swearing disease and they thought that was kind of funny. It's sort of an interesting way to gloss over maybe making mistakes or saying something wrong. And then as I continued, I could see their discomfort and they physically sank into the seats because they thought, oh, he that wasn't a joke. He does have Tourette's. And I felt so bad for them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say, I get it. You guys, you don't need to feel I maybe with somebody else you should feel bad, but with me you don't have to. And we can talk about it afterwards. I'm totally open. It's okay. You, it's not affecting me that way. As soon as I was done, they got up and took off with right. all of their bad feelings. How do you apply what you just explained in terms of microaggression and micro interventions in that setting? How what would you what would would be the right action? I probably have a plan with you. Like I'd be asking you right now, hey. Would you want me to do that? Like I would ask you before we had this, I would say, what would you like me to do in these situations? I've noticed this. Right. Is that is that uncomfortable for you? Right. And would you like me to do anything at all? Would you like me to check in with you and see how you're feeling in that moment? Would you like me to check in with the other folks and let them know? Like I would want to make that plan with you in advance and yeah. then that would just be sort of part of our friendship. And then I would be upfront with you like we are today and telling you, well, why I do this is not because I'm uncomfortable, because I want them to know who I know. I don't want them to get the oh, wrong idea. Oh, that's really so good. So I would just tell you up that's front good. right now. I want them to know who I know. But if it was, um, if it was different, like a micro, if it was something that came up quickly, like this is an established thing that right. could come up, might not come up, but at least we could have a plan. That is different. You're right. Yeah. If if we if it came up out of the blue, I think I would say, can we can we take a break for a second? I, I need a break. 
and I would just be honest because in that moment, it doesn't really matter what's happening. I probably can't focus on it. And so yeah. I'm being true in that moment to say something's happening and I need, I need to create a space. If for no one else, just for me. So I can check in and either regulate and get back to normal. Like, I need a, I need a check in for a second. Can I get a break? That could be me leaving. That could be me just interrupting. It's kind of like the rodeo clown. So a bystander has an awesome opportunity when they think the bull <laughs> is bearing down on someone to step in the way for just a second. I don't have to put myself in harm's way. In fact, you never want to be a bystander right. that jumps in and then becomes a casualty of it. Right. But can you create enough space, enough time for people to just uh, either get their reposition, and, get yeah, their bearing, yeah. or in physical safety or sexualized violence, maybe they can get away and be safe. Yeah, okay. okay. So I, I think this pro-social bystander piece works on a whole bunch of levels. So the, and the interesting thing about microaggression is I, I, I'm as prone to them as I ever was. I, I know there are certain categories where I, you know, the difference between the term Oriental or the term Asian, I understand that. I've adjusted my language in light of it like a long time ago. Yeah, but I think that's somewhat like, so that's learning and find, you yeah. know, and, and using yeah. less, uh, you know, not intending to offend or using less offensive language or your, you know, language evolves. And I think that someone brings that to you. I think microaggression more along the lines of um, fairly well-spoken. I didn't expect that. Like when you're bumping into people's expectations and it comes across like a backhanded compliment. Exactly. Right? Yeah, this yeah, is that's a, a better. That's a be this yeah, is, that's a better example. Um, Sorry. The, these, yes. You're so exotic. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I'm, and then when you're like, what? Well, I, I don't, I wish I had a tan all the time. Like you, you think it's a tan? Yeah. Do you think my life is a day at the beach? Yeah. What the? And then, you know, the inside, those are all the inner thoughts. Like, I get when when you get to be brown, it's on your terms. It's when you go to Cuba. It's yeah. when you sit on the beach. And when you brown, it's related to wealth, uh, and, status, wealth kind of. and, yeah. and not having to work. Yeah. Well, it's mine. Like this yeah. is forever. Yeah. And then people will say, Well, I didn't mean it. I'm like, gosh, don't don't be so sensitive. So if if I did a microaggression mm -hmm. and I was ignorant of it you're standing there right yeah. would you would you approach it similarly to when i did a tick like just cursed or said something i and for listeners again i've said some of the most heinous things i didn't even know i knew the vocab for like mm -hmm. you, i cannot explain how this takes over your 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 vocal part of your brain and just Totally in control. So the worst thing in the moment you could think to say is that's the word that's coming out. What would you, and you said earlier, what was the phrase, Jacob? I want them to know the person I know. What was the phrase? Yeah. It was such a great way to say it, right? I, I want them to know you like I know you. There, that's it. Okay. Yeah. So a microaggression or a, or a heinous tick, like a, just a bit of bad language, right? Mm -hmm. You step in. With that thought, I, I get what they did, and I get that that broke some social rules, and I get right. that it may be aggressive, like to you hearing this. Do you step in the same way 
for, for, for both. I mean, with the microaggression, there's, there's an, uh, an, an, uh, an added step, I think. Yeah, I'm, but I'm, I might exercise some care. So in, again, with your Tourette's, I would want them to know you like I know you. But now I might do it a bit differently because okay. I would try to understand that that may have landed as harmful for them too. Yes. So regardless of whether you intended to do it, whether you could control it, it whether you could, you know, people have experienced all sorts of traumas and, and uh, maybe uh, an unwanted touch. Yeah. I, I can explain Absolutely. it away. I can explain why this six foot <laughs> two person, just stranger to you, just reached out and, and, and grabbed you. Yes. But in that moment, I also can understand that maybe your lived experience Absolutely, you are terrified. Yeah, 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 and and so instead of trying to just say you're a good guy, mm-hmm. which I think was my go-to maybe 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. I think I would want to slow down a bit now. Mm. I I already know that, mm. but they don't. Yeah. So I may have to understand how they're feeling before I try to just quickly build that bridge. Hmm. that relationship bridge and say, you like him, like him like I like him. Mm-hmm. Come on, just, I think it, it they're, they're the bystander is probably trying to understand what's going on, paying attention to what do people need? What do both people, both mm. parties need right mm-hmm. now? You know, in the best case of a microaggression, I would say that, you know, we, we, we've talked about con- uh, unconsciously incompetent. We've, in the best case scenario, maybe they don't know. Doesn't really matter, but maybe they don't know. It landed in a really awful place. And as a bystander, maybe I'm paying attention to both. Okay. If, so, if, I, if I can do it right. Sometimes I think we become really reactive to try and either jump in to protect one over the other. But if we can slow down, and I don't do this all the time. In fact, there's lots of times I don't do anything and I'm just taken with the uh, my God, did I did I witness that correctly? Yeah. And by the time I've processed it, I've lost my moment. Yeah. To to really make a difference. Yeah. So yeah. there have been lots of times where I felt guilty. I've been on a call. Something was said. Instantly, I feel like I should say something. I should say something. I should say something. And everybody presses leave, and the meeting's over. And I'm like, I should have said something. I should have yeah. said something. And so I've had some sort of anticlimactic bystander moments where I've like, you know, yesterday on that call, I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. I, I felt bad that I didn't. So now I'm almost apologizing for, yeah, my, exactly. for my lack of. Yeah. But in a way, I'm still doing an action to say, if, if anything, I can validate and check in. Sometimes people have let me off the hook, kind of like you would have for the Sobeys incident. If yes. I had replayed this the next day and said, you know, Chris, I really should have said something yesterday and I was feeling really guilty when that person made fun of you about the, the chicken salad and, and I, I'm really sorry. I, I don't know what that was like for you, but I was feeling like I should have stepped in and I didn't. You would have probably the next day gone, oh my gosh, don't even worry about it. I wasn't thinking about it. I can't believe you were thinking about that yeah. all, right? Yeah. You would then be yeah. letting me off the hook. Yeah. But at least in that moment, I think I would have reached out to validate if you were feeling that way. Yeah, that's Be- such because a great you example. would yeah. have, other than that next day check in, maybe what happened to you, you were feeling badly about that interaction. And then the secondary harm is, and Jake saw that and said nothing. Mm-hmm. So now there's an extra layer. And so I, I don't think people like should give up just because you missed the in the moment moment. 
maybe there's a secondary moment where at least you can validate and check in on somebody. I think that's so important because these moments happen so fast and you don't expect it to. For me, I don't know when threats is going to show up or it's not. Yeah. Neither does anybody else who's around me who knows me like you. We could spend a whole month together and nothing and then all of a sudden, boom, it shows up and you're in the moment kind of thing with me and, the, and all of that. So I love the principle of if you're not sure what to do in the moment yeah. as that bystander to either be inclusive because some people may not understand, like a person with Tourette's, mm-hmm. they say something and be inclusive, or to, to, to even navigate the microaggression on the part of the person who didn't know they did it because they're not, they've not even heard of the term microaggression. Most right. people haven't. Right. So there's a conversation that needs to happen then, and there's a conversation that, or, or, or some follow-up for the people who may have experienced it. The principle of just, even if you miss the moment to check in later, that can be very meaningful. I, I, I like that. And in fact, I just wanted to say that the, 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 this entire podcast began because of a conversation I found myself in with the team where I said something, thought nothing of it, and I have heard of the term microaggression, just didn't even register in the moment mm. that I was saying something like that. And I got called out on the call in a way that I felt really embarrassing. I thought, okay, my takeaway from that, my take, I, I don't think that person would do it the same way again. I think a check-in like that would be better for everybody. But at the same time, their number one goal was to make sure that everybody felt safe right. on the team. And so I had power and status, and that was the way to deal with it. And we've talked about it since then, and, and it's cool. It's fine. I, I totally get that. But I think the principle of checking in with people is the proactive includer. Yeah, I mean, you can react and that's not wrong, but you're you're leaving some options on the table if it's not slow down, be thoughtful, more of an approach than just a thing you do. So if it's more of a thoughtful approach, and if you're thinking about this on the everyday and looking for ways to do it, and you know, where are those ally moments where I can just check in with folks? If yeah. you're thinking about this on the everyday, when it shows up, it's less surprising. You've got that muscle memory. Yeah. And then you just have to try it. And it yeah. may not work right away. You know, when you're like, and then I was going to do this and I was going to say this, <laughs> it's always way better in your head. Yeah. <laughs> and then when it actually happens, it's really clumsy and, and it just doesn't land. All right. That's okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. What would you change next time? Yeah. Okay, do that. And, and yeah. check in. Talk to people about it. Yeah. I think that's the most important takeaway. It's okay if you miss the moment, you don't do it right in the moment, but check in, learn and move forward. Uh, everybody around me had to figure that out with my Tourette's that summer. Like, yeah. none of us knew what was going on. It was crazy. This podcast is brought to you by the RW Institute, produced by Daniel Parker, recorded remotely in Los Angeles from Baltimore, Maryland, and Halifax, Nova Scotia. Be sure to subscribe so you can keep up with the conversation. Care to react? Submit your comments at rw.institute or on the comment feature where you're listening now.